We're in a super, super exciting passage tonight. Before I read the scripture, just a couple of things to remember. Jesus is, has just had a really long day. He's just really, have you, how many of you have ever had a long day? You've come home and your wife or your husband or your kids have said, how was your day? And you go, it's been a long day. And you ever have those days? Jesus came and remember his family came. They were going to take him home because they thought he lost his senses. Then the scribes accused him of being in league with the devil, and they had all kinds of things to say about him. Then Jesus warned of the unconditional sin. And all of that we've been looking at so far, and this really is, Jesus is going to pull it together in this 20 verses we're going to look at tonight. All we've been looking at so far is not so much the miracles, although we've seen that, but an emphasis on listening. And Jesus is going to help us see the key to listening and hearing God. And this is the first sentence I put in your outline tonight. The condition of my heart determines how well I listen. The condition of my heart determines how well I listen. Brother Lawrence said, I've recommended this book often here at the church, The Practice of the Presence of God. Listen to what he wrote. There is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Those only can comprehend it who practice and experience it. Yet I do not advise you to do it from that motive. It is not pleasure which we ought to seek in this exercise, but let us do it from a principle of love and because God would have us. And by the way, all these notes are on your outline on the apps. So let's look at tonight the principle of love and how it affects us in hearing God from these 20 verses tonight. We're reading from Mark chapter 4. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore, and a very large crowd soon gathered around him so that he got into a boat, and there he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. Now, remember, he's had this getaway boat. We've talked like this getaway card in case the crowd got too much. This is perhaps the largest crowd that Jesus has spoke to so far because now there's so many that he's having to go out onto the water. The water acts like an amplifier so that everybody can hear him. He taught them telling many stories or parables in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, and you'll see I bold that, made that bold. Look how many times the word listen and hear is going to be in this passage. Listen, a farmer, and the farmer or the sower is Jesus and every one of us who share the word of God. A farmer went out to plant some seed, and as he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, and the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Another seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still, other seed fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. And then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. And he replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so the scriptures might be fulfilled. Now, thank insiders and outsiders right here. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. 
Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? And I don't have time to get into this, but he's giving you the key to the rest of the book of Mark. And that is how you listen is very, very important. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil re represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much has been planted. And that word hear there, now that's right there, I want you to catch this, I put a little footnote there, it's present tense. It means we go on hearing. It's what you're doing tonight. You go on listening. You go on hearing. You grow in your ability and your skill of listening. How many of you know there's a real skill in art to listening, okay? And if you want to grow in God, you've got to learn how to listen. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that illuminates your words to us and gives us understanding. We thank you for having preserved your word for us so that we might grow. For we know that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But we never want to forget, Lord, that principle that Jesus taught us, the great commandment to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. When you read Mark chapter 4 and verse 1, you can't help but think back to the Shema that the Jew, our Jewish friends quote every single day of their life. Jesus quotes it in Mark chapter 12 and verse 29. The most important one answered Jesus is this. Read it with me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the Lord is one. And what is he saying? He's saying, listen, hear. When Jesus looked out at this crowd and the crowds continued to gather, Jesus recognized that the mystery of the kingdom is at work. God is working by his Holy Spirit, and in the lives of some people, they're beginning to have faith. In the lives of some people, they're beginning to believe in Jesus as the Messiah. But in the lives of others who are hearing the same message, they're hardening their hearts against God, and they're choosing not to believe. Jesus wants them all to believe, but it's the condition of the heart that enables us to listen. And he uses the parable of the soil because, like land, the condition of the heart determines the success or the failure of the seed that's planted. When Jesus tells this parable, you've got to be really honest. Jesus is saying, there's going to be some failure as well as successes in my life. And the failure is that some people are not going to listen and believe and be converted. And there's going to be some failure in your life. There are people you're going to share with. They're not going to listen. They're not going to hear. But there's going to be successes in your life. The problem is not with the seed or the word of God. The problem is not even with you 
Although I do think it's majorly important that you and I, we build relationships with people and they, let see, we, they see Christ modeled in their lives before we start trying to speak to them. Today I was surprised at the number of people who came up to me with a question about faith. That would not have happened 20 years ago in my ministry here. But today, just having those questions moving in me, you live a life with people and you build that reputation with them. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 12, listen to the words of Jesus. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. In other words, those who receive and act upon the word of God who act upon truth, God says, I'm going to bless them with more understanding of truth. Those who harden their hearts and reject the word of the Lord, they're going to lose even the little bit of understanding that they've first gotten. You think of it this way. If I fail to use a muscle, somebody just told me recently after I was talking about the Daniel plan, they say, Pastor, you know what my biggest muscle is? And I said, no, they said, it's my stomach muscle. If I fail to use my muscles then I'm going to lose the strength that they're able to do. We know if we fail to move and exercise, we lose 2% of bone mass per year after we turn 40 years old. So it's important that we, we do something to continue to condition ourselves. So what I hear Jesus saying is he's encouraging me to listen, to apply myself to the word, but he's also warning me about the dangers of hearing the word of God and not applying the word of God. And that's one of the reasons that either in the message we give you verbs and the points so that you know what to do with it, or we give you at the end growth work so you can take sometimes when we're just doing, you know, theological or doctrinal teaching that you know what to do and how to apply that to your life. So the only proper response for you and I or for anyone who hears the word of the Lord is an obedient response, God, I will obey. That's, by the way, can I say this to you? That's the only sane response. Nebuchadnezzar, who was a great builder, who was a great emperor, who was a great general. I mean, let's face it, as the world looks at it, <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar built one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, and yet he lost his mind. And he said, when my sanity was restored to me, then I praised the Lord. And then he said, he began to worship God. So the most sane thing we can do is to listen to God's word and hear it. Only sowing, only sharing the word will lead to a harvest. Only sowing, only sharing the word will lead to the harvest. I believe in good works, but good works is not what leads to the harvest. I believe in feeding the hungry. I believe in, in educating those who need education. I believe in giving to those who need our help. But at some point as we build that relationship, we have to share with them the faith that we have. Jesus said in Mark chapter 1 and verse 38, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to him too. This is why I came. Mark chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus again. Healthy people don't need a doctor. <clears throat> Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but know they are sinners. This is what Jesus was called to do. This is what each of us are called to do in our sphere of influence, and that is to share or to sow the seed. Here's what we need to know. There is infinite potential in a seed. There is, in, 
And the fact that the seed falls on poor soil doesn't mean there's not potential in the seed. It's the soil. When the seed falls in good soil, the potential is infinite. I've told you before, I don't know if you remember, years ago I shared a story of a man I knew in Georgia. His family had immigrated to the United States during the 1800s. And they had a tradition of every generation, they were farmers, they passed seed down that came from the original seed that they came to the United States with. And he gave me a jar of that seed because he didn't have any sons. He gave me a jar of that seed and he says, Pastor Clanton, if you will always save some seed from the harvest, you will never go hungry because you have something to plant. There is infinite potential in this jar. Isn't that powerful? And we lost it when our house was in that flood. Things got broken and burst and and I've always missed that. I wish that he was still alive. I'd go get some more seed just for the potential of it. But in my study at home, when we sold the family farm, I went down and, 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 and the judge allowed me to go onto the property and I gathered up pecans because we had these little unique pecans, small pecans. I gathered up pecans. I gathered up seed and I bottled it all. And I have it on a shelf in my study at home to remind me there is infinite potential from what my grandfather planted that I was still able to harvest and to pick up and to store, there's infinite potential there. The Word of God will prosper. Somebody say amen. amen. The Word of God will prosper. Look at Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 10. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer, bread for the hungry. It is the same with my Word. Say that with me. It is the same with my word. I send it out. It always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Despite my challenges and my failures, there will be success if I am faithful to sow the word, if I'm faithful to share the word. Despite my challenges and my failures, there will be success. Mark chapter 4 and verse 8, Jesus said, Still other seed fell on fertile soil. They sprouted, grew, and produced a crop 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as been planted. Can I ask you a question? I mean, we know we're going through some challenging times. How many of you would like to receive 30% on your savings account or on your investments? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Can you imagine 60%? Can you imagine 100%? There is no limit to what God can do in our lives if we are faithful to His Word. Now, here's the key, the condition of your heart. Those who love and hear gather together around Jesus. Those who love and hear gather together around Jesus. People who love Jesus love to gather together and hear His Word. They love to gather together and worship the Lord. Look at Mark chapter 4 and verse 10. Later when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. Why didn't the disciples and the others go back home? Why didn't they go to bed? Why didn't they go build a camp? They stayed up late because they wanted to be with Jesus and they wanted... Why? They loved him. His word was bearing fruit in their lives. This was the successes. Those scribes that accused him of healing by the power of the devil, they were, the word was, was failing in their hearts, not because of any fault of the word, not because of any fault of the sower, Jesus. 
It was the condition of their hearts. Satan is a danger if I listen indifferently with a hard heart. It's amazing to me the people who want to deny that there's a real devil. I don't focus on the devil, but I know there's a real devil that we battle against. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. Who are these people? What's the mark of this kind of soil? They're busy people. They're not always hostile. They just don't have time for the word of the Lord. They're just uninterested in what you have to say. And Satan comes along. He's got some sort of idea. He's got some sort of shiny object. And they get distracted. Maybe it's a business idea. Maybe it's a landscaping idea. Maybe it's a hobby idea. The simpleton, I love this. There, the book of Proverbs talks about the simpleton. But Isaac Watts, the great hymn writer, he wrote these in a little poem called Horace Paraphrased. I just pulled a, a little bit out of it. There are a number of us creep, who creep into this world to eat and sleep and know no reason why they're born but merely to consume the corn, devour the cattle, fowl and fish, and leave behind an empty dish. What is Isaac Watts saying there? If you look at that carefully and if you read the whole poem, he says, that's nothing more than a raven would do. And he uses a raven because a raven devours dead stuff. It's a scavenger. And he's saying, the person that lives life like this, they're no more than a beast or an animal. And then there's the urbane or the sophisticated, those who are cultured. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Screwtape Letters, describes one of these encounters. He's talking about a man in the British Museum, and he's, he's reading, and all of a sudden he has these ideas and this thought that begins to make him think about spiritual things and spiritual matters. And his mind is suddenly consumed with this. And then all of a sudden, screw tape intervenes and makes him hungry for lunch. And so he closes up the books that have been making him hungry for the things of God. And he goes out into the street, out of the library. And once he, if you'll follow along with me, once he was in the street, the battle was won. This is screw tape talking. I showed him a newsboy shouting the midday paper and a number 73 bus going past before he reached the bottom of the steps. I had got him into an unalterable conviction that whatever odd ideas might come into a man's head when he was shut up alone with his books, a healthy dose of real life by, what he meant by, the, what, by which he meant the bus and the newsboy was enough to show him that sort of thing just couldn't be true. One day, years ago here at the church, one of the men in the church came by and says, Pastor, I need to get you out of your books, get you out of your Bible, and get you into the real world. I said, you know, I'd like to do that for a change. Because if you can get me out of what I do every day of my life, I won't have to go down and pray with that family that their daughter has been born with a hole in their back. I won't have to go and console that widow that's just lost her husband to cancer. And I begin to go through a list of things that I do every single day of my life. He goes, Pastor, I couldn't handle your life. Let me tell you something. Being spiritual equips you to handle real life. Knowing God equips you to handle the challenges and the problems that come from life. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 22, remember the hard-hearted, busy scribes, the teachers of religious law? They arrived from Jerusalem and said, He's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons, that's where he gets the power to cast out demons. The seed didn't bear fruit, 
And I know it sounds harsh to say Jesus failed. Jesus didn't fail. The word didn't fail. But Jesus wasn't able to reach them because they wouldn't listen. Do you get that? They wouldn't listen. And to listen means, I'm not thinking about how I'm going to respond to you, Vic, when you're telling me about a problem. To listen doesn't mean I'm letting my mind go and I'm looking like I care about you, Ruth, but I'm really thinking about the pizza I'm going to eat if when I go home tonight. To listen to you, Danny, is not that I'm just paying attention. It means that I'm engaging. I'm listening with my eyes. I'm listening with my heart. I want to hear what you have to say. That's how we come to Jesus. Secondly, he talks about another kind of soil, rocky soil, and he says, shallow faith robs me of listening daily to God. Robs me of daily listening to God. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 16, we'll read it again. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. How many times have I seen this happen? But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. You see, shallow faith is only an re emotional response to the gospel. And that's why the Bible tells us not to put a novice, not to put a new believer in a position of leadership. Let them be discipled. Let them be taught. Let them grow. I am so grateful for the men and the women who took me under their wings and taught me and discipled me when I was younger, had patience with me. That a shallow faith may start out with lots of joy and lots of charisma, but if things don't work out the way they want it to work out, they get bitter, and they end up in a worse condition than when they first experienced Christ. The Old Testament teaches this, and the New Testament teaches this. They let Jesus halfway into their hearts. They let Jesus on the front porch of their hearts, but they don't let Jesus deep into their lives and into their hearts, and they're worse off. And you say, Pastor, how are they worse off? Because if they don't follow Christ, they don't have the peace of God that passes understanding. But if they've tasted the joy of heaven, they can never go back to the world and be happy because they remember what it was like once to have tasted what the kingdom of God was like. And so they get bitter. And I've met so many people like this, even in our own community, that have told me, you know, I had an encounter with God. Pastor, can I talk to you about this? I had this encounter with the Lord, and it was powerful, but, you know, things just didn't work out. I wandered away, and they're not happy, and yet they blame everybody else for why they didn't continue on with the Lord. Listen. If I fell in my faith, it's not your fault. If I fell in my faith, it's not the person who wounded me fault. It's because I chose to look at the storm or the problem rather than look at the master of the storms and the master of the problems. If I could use this illustration, I got brushed by somebody recently. I don't know who it was, but they had on a heavy cologne or aftershave or something. And for the rest of the day, because that person brushed up against me, I could smell their cologne on me. That's a lot of cologne. Don't you agree? <laughs> so I came home that night, and I said, somebody bumped into me today, but it's kind of brushed right by me. And I said, evidently, they spray their cologne on their clothes because I have smelled them all day long. <laughs> and I think that's what happens. People get brushed by the Holy Spirit, but they don't stop to get to know the Lord 
that the Holy Spirit is leading us to, to draw close to. In Mark chapter 9 and verse 34, after they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, now notice there's a play on words here, what were you discussing on the road? What was the hard path? It was a road. But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. The reason I'm plugging this in here is I want to give us a warning. Even those of us who have followed Christ for many, many years, even those of us that have been Christians for decades, if we're not careful, we stop paying attention and we get our minds off and Jesus will confront us and we don't want to answer because we know what we're consumed with or what we're arguing about is not the way of Christ. It's not the Jesus way. Amen? And then thirdly, anxiety about life and selfish acquisition crowd out the voice of God in my life. In Mark 4 and verse 18, the seed that fell among the thorns represent others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things so no fruit is produced. Listen, the Bible never condemns riches or pleasure. Look at me. Don't miss that. The Bible never condemns riches or pleasure. The Bible condemns living for riches or pleasure. Who are we to live for? We're to live for Jesus. Exactly right. But if we are living for that, then we're pulled in all kinds of directions. We want to keep up with the Joneses. We want somehow or another to, to buy things that we really don't need to impress people we really don't like with money we don't have. You know, it's this whole spirit of the age that we're living in. What is Jesus saying here? A divided heart is an unfaithful heart. Years ago, there was a song. I don't know who the artist was that sang it. I'm sure Paul Gorky can tell me after the service tonight. And that was torn between two lovers feeling like a fool, you know. Don't call it out now. But anyway, it's just, it's just this, this woman who can't love her husband because she's got, she's got a divided heart. She says, I love my husband, but I also love this lover. And if we're not careful, carnal Christians have divided hearts. It's kind of like this story I read one time. And it was just so cute. This young man fell in love with a girl. He proposed to her finally. And he said, listen... I love you. I want to marry you. I want you to be my wife. I know I'm not rich. I know that I don't have a Rolls Royce and a yacht like Johnny Brown does, but I still want you to be my wife. And the young girl looked at me and says, I love you too, but can you tell me a little bit more about Johnny Brown? <laughs> There's this divided heart that if we're not careful... We can love the things of the world more than we love Jesus. And then finally tonight, the good soil represents those who listen immediately, deeply, and exclusively. Immediately, deeply, and exclusively. This doesn't mean that I don't listen to other people who aren't Christians. It doesn't mean that I don't listen to other people who may, like some of my Muslim friends, my Jewish friends, or our Hindu friends... It doesn't mean I don't listen to them, but I judge everything that I'm listening and sift it through the word of the Lord. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 20, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, 
or even a hundred times as much has been planted. What's he saying? It doesn't bounce off my heart the way it bounces off a hard soil. And I've seen that happen, especially in other countries where they still use this method. Somebody asked me one time about this passage of Scripture. said, this wasn't a very smart farmer. So I would have never thrown my seed on a hard pack. I would have never thrown my seed in the weed patch. And I said, you're missing the point. Jesus wanted those people that that soil represented to be saved. This isn't just about farming. This is about evangelism. This is about lost people. It doesn't shrivel under adversity because we're all going to have adversity in our life. It not only does it shrivel from adversity, but it's not choked out by the riches and the pleasures and the cares of this life. Instead, God's Word takes deep root in my life, and it produces character, what we call the fruit of the Spirit. And as I grow in character, it produces the, 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 the uh, power of the Holy Spirit, which is what we call the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our life. Then it produces fruit in my life as I share with other people the good news of Jesus, and they come to know Jesus Christ. So with this, what do we do? Number one, here's our growth work tonight. Share with everyone. Don't prejudge the soil. I had the opportunity today, wonderful opportunity of a group of several men who gathered around me at a, and a question was asked, and I just had the opportunity to talk to all of them. I don't, most of them I didn't know, but they asked me a question. A couple of people that I knew asked me a question. I don't prejudge the soil, but I'll tell you what, I'm praying for those men this week that the Word of God finds fruit or bears fruit in their life. By the way, the four soils are not percentages. That doesn't mean 25, 25, 25, 25, like I illustrated with tithe and, and savings and investment and, and living. It just represents the four kinds of people and four responses. Number two, success comes from the Lord. 1 Corinthians 3, 7 God makes the seed grow. Can we say that together? God makes the seed grow. And then thirdly, sowers, that's you and me, are called to be faithful. And I pray tonight that you will be faithful. If you don't know how to share your faith, uh, you know, here at Woodland, we have, a, we have two classes that we actually teach on how to share your faith, how to build relationships with people, and to do it in a natural way that's congruent with who you are, not just trying to play like you're me or like you're somebody else that's here in the church tonight, but being congruent with who you are, but it includes listening to God and learning to love and pray for people. Before we ever talk to people about God, we talk to God about the people that we're praying for. See what I'm saying? We, we want to build that relationship of love. Second thing tonight, if you're discouraged, if you feel like God's not listening to you, I want you to know God's not only the business of planting seed, but God listens to you as you reach out and call out to him tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you'll be with us Sunday morning here at Woodland. I'm going to be talking about what the Bible says about spending money. Did you know that there's an old axiom in life that says you've got to spend money to make money? The Bible talks about that. I hope that you'll be a part of that service with us on Sunday morning. Let me pray for all of us before we go. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your amazing grace to us. We thank you, Lord, for the power of the word of the Lord, that your word will not return void. And I pray that you'll help us to never prejudge the soil, but God freely share and build the relationships with people that need to hear the word. And finally, Lord, 
I pray that more than anything, that like Brother Lawrence, we will love you. And God, we will not listen for principles of success, but we will listen, Father, because we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Good night.